testify. My name is Anna Spray, and this month we are celebrating the season of Advent. So I sat down with my very dear friend, Lindsay Mansfield, who leads our kids' table ministry, and we talked about how to celebrate this time of the church year with kids and how to prepare them for a life with Jesus. Enjoy! measure it by the age of your children. <laughs> yes. I think it was a year or two before Hannah was born, so... That's wild. Seven or eight years. That's a long time. Yeah. So explain a little bit how you came to be in that position, why you're there, what you're doing. How I came to be there seven years ago? <laughs> uh, Andy was doing children's ministry himself because, you know, it's important in the church, development, growing of the church. And he was looking for someone to take it over. He had asked me for some recommendations. Secretly, I was like, just ask me. (laughs) Secretly in your heart of hearts, you're like, please. And then eventually he did. And I think we both just felt like it worked well because I was worshiping uh, at Open Gate Church. And so not totally a part of the table community. So I could be 100% present with the kids um, during service time. Yeah, because you weren't coming to the table for your own discipleship necessarily. No. Yeah. Um, and I had worked with Andy previously when him and Josh first came over when he was working part-time at Open Gate doing the youth ministry. So he, we already had a good working relationship and had built trust in, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just seemed to like naturally work. And Andy had such a good program in place. It was just naturally easy to take that over. And back then... Uh, what was the curriculum we were doing? Godly play. The godly play, yeah. Which has that sort of Montessori Yeah, principles. it's all based on Montessori. So for people that don't know what Montessori is. Yeah, so it's uh, like children-based play and children-based learning. So we tell this story with little figurines and things, and then the kids can react, like retell the story that way, and then... Um, I don't know, I guess manipulating with their hands, working with their hands, doing the stories, retelling the stories with their hands. Yeah, so they're they're sort of living out the narrative or acting it out, I suppose, in a way, through their play. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and just that it was, so the response time was always in relation to the story. So it was like building, rebuilding the story with Lego or out of Play-Doh or... Mm -hmm drawing a picture or so using play-based activities to engage with scripture yes yeah seems like long ago and that's well it was a long time ago but that's basically the underlying principle still of the curriculum you're teaching even now yes yeah even though now we're doing something called god's big story yes which is essentially the same thing as godly play but with a good Anglican twist on it 
and I think diving deeper into what the gospel really is and how Jesus was sent to save us. And well, it's a little more fleshed out than yes, God's big story. than godly play. Like God's yeah. big story has liturgy and prayers yes. and well, kind of... godly play had that too, but it was oh, okay. I want to say Lutheran. Okay. But yeah. God's big story specifically for Anglicans, for Anglicans, but also is a little more complex theologically, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. And there's more stories to it, like more Bible stories, more not content. just kind of the standard Bible stories. Yeah. Like we did Cain and Abel this year, which is not a standard story you teach your children. <laughs> not the usual thing you talk about. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And it's interesting how over the years, it seems like the needs and the, the sort of learning patterns of the kids as they grow, you know, the mm-hmm. curriculum and content has to grow and change. Yeah. And so, uh, Penny Love, the content curriculum developer creator, she's done from preschool age all the way up to middle school mm-hmm. and then special occasion things too. So it's been super, made my job super easy in that respect. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was really, really a comprehensive program to use. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back, um, to before your time at the table and just want to probe a little bit cause I mean, I know you well, <laughs> but a lot of people at the table, if they don't have children or if the kids are not in the kids' table program, they may not know you well. And so True I want story. To, true story. <laughs> so I want to ask you a little bit about your own desire to work with kids and where that came from. Yeah, I'm not sure. I was thinking about that when you sent that to me. <laughs> and I kind of feel like it's always just been something on my heart. I mean, it, and I was thinking deeper into it and like... I uh, teach in a school mm-hmm. <laughs> and generally prefer to teach middle high school, not elementary, but then prefer to kind of do the elementary side of um, children's ministry. Which is interesting. Yeah. And I think I've pinpointed down to, um, I think because I didn't grow up with a big biblical foundation. Mm. So I just wouldn't, I don't know something like missed out on in life so I wouldn't feel like kids children shouldn't miss out on that and uh for high school teaching middle school I love teaching them history and I feel like they kind of meld together the biblical history biblical teaching history and so it's um so maybe that's kind of where that stemmed as far as teaching the different age groups um and so yeah. Well, it's interesting, the idea, like we've talked in a lot of my interviews for the podcast, people make reference to an example that they saw growing up that then led their faith forward. But it almost sounds as if as an adult, you're reflecting back and saying, well, I sort of feel like I missed this mm-hmm. and I would like to be able to give this to other kids. Yes, that's exactly it. And I think just the need for not just like the Sunday morning Jesus loves you story, but like the actual truth of what all the Bible says Mm -hmm. of all the stories that God gave us to learn 
to model our lives after and and to illustrate who he is yeah yeah yeah. So when you're teaching kids about Jesus, um, what are the three things that you found most important kind of guiding principles in a sense? Uh, for sure, like my number one thing is never underestimate how uh, intelligent children can be mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as like I don't think that we have to make anything less complicated for them because they will go back and think about things. And I think that's what I love the most about the God's Big Story curriculum is that the wondering questions after the story really does leave them questioning. And I've had many um, kids come back, you know, like a week later or even now that we're doing remote things and say like oh I was thinking about this and it may be like not theologically correct but Mm -hmm. I'm like they're thinking about these things and working things out in their brain and how great is it that they get to do that at a younger age and then hopefully they can sort out their faith and be solid in that well it's in their adult years demonstrating a principle for life that we're in engaging with the text and thinking about it even as you say even if it's wrong yeah but we're interacting with it and that's something you do throughout your whole life and it doesn't yeah how much cooler is it to start that at a young age and and creating that sort of habitual like this is how we know god as we ask Mm -hmm. questions and we discuss and we yeah that's super cool and i think like just as far as sunday school and things go that you know, kids will rise to the expectations that are there. And so they have an expectation of, we come to learn Bible stories and scripture and practice liturgy and talk about certain catechism questions. And that we, that that's like our church time. So when our parents are upstairs doing their worship time, this is like our worship time. And of course it involves more play and social time but yeah but I've always been impressed with um especially since you started doing well no even when we used to do godly play there's a lot of common symbol like you guys light a candle you have a prayer time like you do a lot of the things we do in the sanctuary downstairs with the kids Mm -hmm. it's just in a way that's accessible to them yeah and we've like Andy and I have talked about that in just the transitioning uh kids from being in Sunday school to being in church. And I definitely have fond memories of when you told us in youth group, like, oh, you're going to sit at church on Sunday morning instead of going to Sunday school. And we were kind of like, oh, what do we do? Because the liturgy and certain things seemed foreign and having to listen to a sermon. And so I think the idea kind of behind those rituals of the candles and the liturgy is to get mold the children into this is you know, how we worship. And when they eventually get to a place where they come upstairs and join their families. It's not totally foreign. It's not foreign. Yeah. And yeah. then it becomes like, how do we engage with the sermon yeah. and hear from God? That's a really excellent point that I've never really caught before, that idea of transition, that there's common points of liturgy and prayers and ritual and form that are familiar that mm-hmm. no matter where you are, whether you're downstairs or upstairs, there's continuity. Well, think about, remember the when we celebrated Pentecost Sunday out at Peninsula? Oh, like and, last year. Yeah, Andy was like, the Lord, what? 
whatever it was, the Lord be with you. Yeah. And he had something on this different on the screen, but all the kids shouted, and also with you. And everyone just erupted in laughter, yeah. but like was a such I a blessing. I think he had, and with your spirit on the screen, but the kids shouted so loud, and also with you. Yes, because that's what we say downstairs. that's what you say. Totally. They knew. Yeah, and I love those moments, the few moments we've had like that, where they've been in the sanctuary with us. And they're not even looking at the screen. Most of them can't even read. But nope. it's just the words are already in them. And so they kind of shout them out because they know them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. That's so I just think, yeah, we have those expectations. And sometimes it seems unreachable, but it's attainable for them. Yeah. They can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else that you had? Uh, nope. I think that was all. <laughs> Lindsay's got little little notes here. <laughs> the teacher in me. <laughs> I know you're so prepared. Um, so, what are some things that you've learned from teaching the kids? You said like not to underestimate them, not to not to assume that all because they're kids they can't understand or can't engage. Is there anything else that they've sort of taught you or have been have introduced to you that have been a surprise or? Uh, I think what I've learned from them apart from those things that you've mentioned is just like um alongside them threading the whole story of the bible from creation to revelation to the hope of the restored kingdom and I think just seeing like kind of watching the like the kids make those connection points has been reaffirming to me um like yeah this is really this is really what we are to be hoping for and mm-hmm. should place our hope in and I it's fun to see them make those connected dots from the old testament to the new testament and I feel like I kind of just do it alongside them because yeah. yeah uh you know I was thinking about how you know we read the bible every day or we should be or reading the bible through the year and we're always rereading it and God's always speaking to us but then to kind of really make those connections yeah to see it as a whole all the way through yeah and to not separate because I think I know for myself the way I was taught the bible as a kid it was sort of isolated stories Mm -hmm. like Cain and Abel but not connected to anything else or um like the story of Jacob but not connected to anything else and that is kind of a beautiful thing where we kind of have the wider context um, in mind, and we have kind of like the bigger picture starts to come together. So, yeah, and I think beyond like just the awesome curriculum we use, like the Jesus Storybook Bible, I think really started to set that trend off for kids and families. Why do you think that was? Um, I think just because of the way that Sally Lloyd Jones threaded the whole idea of Jesus being in the beginning. And that we're waiting for him to come and crush the serpent, as she calls it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Sally Lloyd-Jones is a children's author that has put together a Bible that, <clears throat> a kid's Bible that a lot of us use called the, called the Jesus Book yeah. Story Bible. Yeah. And she really has, you're right, she's really made those connections in visual ways. More so than just picking up a kid's Bible that oftentimes misses right. out stories. Right. Or doesn't make those Old Testament to New Testament connections. Yeah. Yeah, and that is work that more and more authors are doing, have been doing, but it's cool to see a children's author mm-hmm. do that. 
Yeah, and I think that that is one thing I do really deeply love and appreciate about the curriculum we use at the table because it's the gospel that is really what saves us. And if we're not teaching that to the kids, then what what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. And so through that, through our little time together on Sunday, I hope that that's what's being made clear. And I think that people have kind of bumped hip or started to recognize that, like, why would we look elsewhere to teach our kids theology? Like, we just need to be looking at the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, I think people often feel insecure don't they? Like, it's intimidating. I know for myself, the few times that I've taught Sunday school, like, it's intimidating to know, how do I communicate with kids? How do I give all of this wealth of knowledge I feel that that I have, how do I pass that along to them when they're bouncing off the walls? And I know with my own children, I struggle with that. So I'm, if there's a sense of, like, I can either try to figure out how to teach the Bible, or we can play this super fun game that's yeah, yeah. easy, you know? Like, that's so often the temptation. It takes, like, it's the long, hard journey of of persevering and, and teaching your kids and praying with them and teaching mm-hmm. them about all of the things that make up following Jesus and knowing Jesus. But that's an intentional kind of mm-hmm. work. Yeah. So, speaking of intentional work, <laughs> you're a mom. I sure am. Three kids. Yep. What do you do at home to disciple your kids? Well, I would love to say that I do all these amazing things at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we just try to really make intention, like be intentional about reading the Bible, and we have four or five different versions of children's Bibles that we've read through. And often my kids pick, like, Abraham loves to read the story of Abraham over and over again because he's like, it's about me. (laughs) And Hannah, she's kind of the same way with her name, Nico. You know what's so funny? Evie does the same thing. Yeah. Like, whenever we're reading the story of Adam and Eve out of Genesis, Evie's like, that's me! Yes, that's so... like promo for giving your kids biblical names, right? They're like, oh, I'll yes. pay attention to this part because I think it's about me. It's true. Uh, my <laughs> children uh, have pointed out many a times how they themselves and their dad all have names from the Bible, but mom does not. <laughs> oh, sad day. Sad day. <laughs> that's uh, rough, man. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, we try... <laughs> This whole pandemic and not being together has been, you know, not ideal situation. So we we try to keep up with uh, the Sunday school videos and things like that. And the kids definitely, they miss their together time with their church people and, you know, their sort of formal worship. But I think we just, we pray together around the dinner table. We listen to a lot of praise music Mm -hmm. and even just annoying kids praise music but I found some really good ones that don't annoy me and so that's always a bonus <laughs> and can you want to name those for people in case they're looking for some we can link it in the show notes <laughs> okay no uh and we always ask the kids at bedtime what they're thankful for yeah and try to force out you know more than just oh I'm thankful for mom or dad or you know and then we just always pray with them and it's so I love listening to kids prayers because it's they're so raw and so honest and I feel mm-hmm. like you know 
we can sometimes get muddled up in feeling like we can't bring everything to God or share what's on our mind, but they constantly remind me that we can. Yeah, that it is that. It's simple. It doesn't, yeah, yeah. I think, too, like just knowing you and your husband as well as I do, you guys are pretty open with your kids. We're always honest. Yeah, and, well, you talk about a lot of things and you pray about a lot of things and, like, you guys really share your faith Mm -hmm. with your kids because you have that expectation that they will understand and they will participate much the same that you guys do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And, but in like the same way, when we mess up, we apologize to them and talk about how like even moms and dads, you know, sin and (laughs) like we're all saved by the grace of God. And it's important that even in the, sad times and the low times that we talk to God about that stuff too. Well, and that's something I've always admired about you guys. It's like you and your husband are very much on the same page. So that makes that helps. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like it, it means that you can create a culture in your home. And I've talked about this with other people on the podcast too. You can create a culture, a common culture in your home that everybody can participate in together. Um, yeah. So we, had just started Advent. We're in week two this coming week of yep. Advent. And I know um, you and I have been friends a long time, and we often <laughs> <laughs> take on Advent projects. Oh, yeah. Um, do you want to share a little bit about some of the things you've picked up over the years to help kind of mark this season, stuff that you guys like to do at home? Yeah, with the I kids? mean, we love lighting our candles. You know, you kind of traditionally do it every Sunday. Sometimes we do it every night. Um, We're rereading right now through the Jesus Storybook Bible, Advent Devotional, just one of her older ones every year. The author produces a free guide, which we've posted on the forum. So she changes it up a bit every year, but we're just using an old one Mm because then I have to print it out again. Yeah. (laughs) And really the Bible stories don't change, so. (laughs) Oh yeah, I was wondering, I'm not sure how different the versions are year by year. I'm sure the artwork maybe is a little bit different. It is different this year. Is it? Yeah. Because I was trying to explain to somebody the other day, so something you and I have both taken up with our kids is doing a Jesse tree each year. And I know... I had a lot of questions from people going, well, what's a Jesse tree and how do you do it and all that kind of thing. Um, but it it's not necessarily a prescriptive, like you have to do these Bible stories and not these ones. Or mm-hmm. like there's lots of different reading guides and different well, the, crafts you could do. The Jesus storybook one that we posted is basically the Jesse tree. She goes mm-hmm. all the way from Genesis to, to, Revelation. to Revelation. Yeah. And... Um, so do you want to explain the Jesse tree for people that don't know? That it's from the line of Jesse, you mean? <laughs> Through the line of David, the the big king? Well, it's it's a Catholic tradition. Yeah, that's right. It is Catholic, isn't it? Yeah, it's mostly Catholic, but it's been something that I think other liturgical traditions have taken up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had one that was adapted when I was a kid growing up, and we were definitely not Catholic, but... It was something like a lot of really good ideas start in the Catholic Church and then a lot of other traditions realize the True fruit story. of it. But it's basically the the retelling of the salvation story, like, yeah, from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. But going through the line of David, the line of Jesse. Yeah, so picking up 
on that passage from Isaiah, a branch out of Jesse's tree, tree. or Jesse's yeah. family. Yeah. Which is yeah, identifying right. Jesus. Yeah. So yeah. And kind then of linking together all the prophecies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we just celebrate Jesus's birthday on Christmas Eve. Do you guys do like a cake and everything? No, we don't. Oh, you don't. We okay. have not. We've sang happy birthday before, but yeah, that'd be super cute. Yeah, we this year. So we we've done a Jesse tree for several years. We've done paper ones when the kids were super small. You know, I just cut out the little mm-hmm. paper symbols and we just put them on the wall on a paper tree. And then last year, was it last year or the year before? You and I made little clay. I think, yeah, Abraham might have but just been Ornaments. one. So that was maybe four years ago. No, we did that four years ago? Yeah, I think so. Oh my goodness, time. Crazy. Or maybe when Nico was a baby? Three years ago? Nico might have been the baby. <laughs> Three years ago. <laughs> too many babies. Three years ago. But yeah, so we got together with our kids and we we made the ornaments, which did take more time. A long time. Than I anticipated. Yep. But we have now used those ornaments, obviously, for whatever, three years now. Mm-hmm. And we've added a couple at home, mostly because the girls... So each day, there's a portion of scripture to read, and then there's an ornament that relates to something out of that story of scripture. Mm-hmm. So like a set of scrolls or... Um, a camel, like Joseph's coat. Oh, yeah, Joseph's coat. That was a cool one to make. Um but my kids got upset because there's only one ornament, so we've we've doubled up. We made oh, two ornaments. <laughs> so they would each have something to put on the little tree each day. Um, I but... am not making three. <laughs> two more sets. <laughs> but what was cool is um, we've always read all the scripture out of the Jesus Storybook Bible, and this year for the first time we're trying like an actual kid's Bible. Like Oh, cool. Like the other night we read all of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And we were just kind of sitting together and taking turns reading portions. Um, and so it was interesting to see, like, the contrast of this is how we used to do things when the kids were small. Yeah. Now that they're getting older. Yeah, one of the other moms actually mentioned that to me, that she's taken up just reading the scripture and then letting it be with mm-hmm. them. And then they kind of come back. And it's definitely, I've noticed... Uh, their comments in Sunday school is like, wow, that is deep. And then she was telling me that they just are reading the Bible now. Yeah. So that it's good and natural, I think, to do that when the kids get older. Yeah, it's interesting how, again, it's that that idea of just, just setting a rhythm, setting an example and an expectation of like, this is just what we do as Christians together. Yeah. It doesn't have to be unusual or strange. And we're going to keep doing this. Yeah. And, and I think going back to the expectations of the children, they like even Evie still might not get everything that you're reading straight from an adult Bible Mm -hmm. necessarily, but she's still absorbing it and listening to it. And that's what uh, my husband, Josh, he was like, I didn't grow up with kids Bibles. My dad just read to us from the Bible. Yeah. And I feel like he still knows scripture way more than I do Hmm. off the top of his head. Hmm. And I, often wonder if that is just from the fact that his dad never really shied away from like well we're just gonna read the bible yeah in the way it was meant to be not in latin or anything or greek but just (laughs) it's true and i i think again sometimes you know the intimidation factor gets to us when it when really it can just be that simple Mm -hmm. like 
reading a chapter of scripture with your kids a day and praying together. Well, and hopefully, like my always hope is that through disciplines like Advent and even Lent and things like that, it will get us back into those routines if we've fallen away or are not in the daily habit with our kids Mm -hmm. of spending that time. Yeah. Yeah. Cultivating habits for a lifetime. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) It's good to hang out with you. Yeah. Early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C., Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by Josh Wilton and Richard Charter. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca.